Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Just that one verse this morning. Uh, I recently uh, read about a man who in his adult life uh, failed in business at the age of 22, and then he ran for legislature at the age of 23, but lost. Uh, He then had another business venture fail at the age of 24, and then he was eventually elected to a legislature position at the age of 25. However, the year after that, he lost the sweetheart of his life just before they were to be married, and that sent him into a tailspin so that he had a nervous breakdown at the age of 27. Uh, After regrouping, uh, he lost a bid to become a governmental speaker at the age of 29. He then lost a bid to occupy the office of elector at the age of 31, and then lost a bid for a United States congressional seat three years later at the age of 34. Three years after that, he was eventually elected to the United States Congress, but then lost that seat two years later at the age of 39. Seven years after that, he ran for United States Senator and lost. The year after that, he was a vice presidential candidate and he lost at the age of 47. At the age of 49, he ran for U.S. Senate again and lost until he was eventually elected President of the United States at the age of 51. His name? Anybody know who this is? It's Abraham Lincoln. I mean, his, his life is really a remarkable display of persistence and perseverance. Now, of course, the case might simply be that Abraham Lincoln was destined for political glory. But even if that were the case, if Abraham Lincoln was destined for political glory, it still required persistence and endurance and not giving up on his part. But listen, if you're a Christian this morning, you're destined for a far greater glory. But it's a glory that also calls for persistence and endurance and perseverance and not giving up on your part in the face of difficulties, disappointments, and delays. This is very consistently set before us throughout Scripture, this need for perseverance and endurance. And we see it very clearly here in this one verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, We'll look a little bit more around the context of this one verse, but we're primarily concentrating on just verse 9 of Galatians 6 this morning. And so while you won't be standing for very long, I do invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. This is the Word of God. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. The grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of the Lord abides forever. You can be seated. In just this one verse this morning, the Apostle Paul is exhorting the Galatians, and he he is exhorting us to not grow weary, to persevere in our spiritual journey. And as we consider just this one verse, there's a number of things that we need to understand. The first thing that we need to understand is the problem. What is the problem being identified here? Well, the problem is this 
danger that we face, the danger of growing weary. This is a very real danger. It's just one word in the Greek, and it's often translated elsewhere in the New Testament as fainting. The same word here in Galatians 6, 9 is sometimes translated as fainting, and it carries with it this idea of growing in discouragement, of losing heart, of giving out, and of giving up. It's the idea in this word here. But why is this problem, this danger, this hazard, so very real for us as Christians? What are some reasons why we would fall in to weariness? Well, let's consider some of those reasons uh, briefly. First, this problem of growing weary reminds us that the Christian life regularly involves difficulties and hardships. And these difficulties and hardships can make us grow weary because where you find difficulty and hardship, you will find your heart resisting them. Where you find difficulty and hardship, you will find your heart resisting them because you want comfort and you want ease. If your feelings are unpleasant, medicate them. If your relationships are difficult, end them. Of course, the problem with all of that in being a Christian is following Jesus often involves hardship and difficulty. And it can make us grow weary. And it can tempt us to give up. I mean, just be honest with yourself this morning. Are you sometimes tired of the call to live the Christian life? The call to make decisions according to the will of God? Do you sometimes grow weary following Jesus where he's leading you because you know that where he's leading you is going to involve hardship and difficulty? We grow weary in light of the hardships and difficulties that we inevitably counter in our Christian journey in following Jesus. But another reason that we can grow weary is we're trying to do too much. I mean, this stands to reason, right? If you're doing more than you can handle, you're going to get weary. You're going to get tired. And we might tend to think that being worn out, as long as it's for the work of God's kingdom, that that's a good thing. But usually, it's not a good thing to be wearing yourself out, even for kingdom work. And the reason it's usually not a good thing is because it's usually fueled by misguided motives. Doing too much is usually fueled by misguided motives. Doing too much is sometimes a sign of pride. The reason you're doing too much is because you're not so much seeking after God's glory, but you're seeking after your own glory. And the more you do, the more you get noticed, and the more you get noticed, the more glory that goes to you. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds familiar to me. But listen, if you're chasing after your own glory, you're going to grow weary because you're not designed to receive the glory. God receives the glory. But doing too much can also be a sign of guilt, not just pride, but it can be a sign of guilt that you fear you're not doing enough to secure God's favor. Or actually, it could be more horizontal than that. You fear that you're not doing enough to earn the acceptance of other people, and so you're doing too much because you're a people pleaser. You've made pleasing people an idol, and you need their acceptance. But we also feel sometimes that we have to earn God's acceptance. And so this is, of course, also another sign of pride, This is rooted in pride and a failure to understand the gospel that we can and we must do enough to earn and merit 
God's acceptance. But if you're seeking acceptance in anything other than the finished work of Jesus, you're going to grow weary and you're going to become discouraged. If you're seeking that acceptance in anything other than the finished work of Jesus. We can also grow weary because we're laboring in our own strength. We're relying on our own strength and our sanctification, our growth in holiness, and also in ministry rather than in relying in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, again, of course, rooted in pride. We think we can accomplish our own holiness and we can serve in ministry in our own strength, and this can lead to the problem of growing weary. Is this what makes you weary and spiritually discouraged, being worn out of laboring in your own strength? Well, how could you tell? How do you know when you're laboring in your own strength? Well, I'll give you a litmus test. Here's a really good litmus test. Your prayer life. Is your life empowered by faithful and consistent prayer? If it isn't, no matter what you want to tell yourself, you're probably laboring in your own strength rather than relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. But a fourth reason why we can grow weary and get discouraged is because our spiritual growth can seem so slow. And the evidence of such growth can be really hard to detect. In other words, we grow weary and we get discouraged because we begin to wonder what any of it matters. Why does any of it matter? What exactly are we accomplishing? How has following Jesus made a difference in your life? How has it made a difference in your circumstances? How has following Jesus made a difference with that battle of that one specific sin that continues to hound you? How does it make a difference in your character? I mean, a lot of us, if we're honest, following Jesus has made life seem harder. And so we grow discouraged and wonder what difference it makes because spiritual growth seems so slow and there's not immediate results. And we've grown accustomed to having immediate results in our culture, right? If we have to wait for anything, we become quickly discouraged. We grow weary really fast because we're convinced it doesn't work. If it's not happening fast, it doesn't work. And so we want to get in shape, and we go to the gym for a week, and we don't see results, so we quit. We want to lose 10 pounds, try for three days, get on the scale, doesn't seem to be making any difference, so you quit. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants you to expect immediate results from your spiritual labors, and then when you don't see them, you grow weary, and you give up. Satan wants you to labor in your own strength. Satan wants you to try to do too much out of pride or guilt, or the idol of people-pleasing. And he wants you to bank on a discipleship that's filled with ease and comfort. So then when you encounter hardship and difficulty, you lose your joy, and you lose hope, and you grow weary, and you give up. That's exactly what Satan wants. Oftentimes, Satan's tactic in your life and my life is simply to get you to buy into these lies. And then he simply outweights you until you grow weary and you give up. It doesn't attack you directly. It just wants you to buy into these lies, and then he outweights you. So that this growing weary is a very real problem. It poses a real danger in our lives. That's why Paul tells the Galatians and us not to grow weary. And how do we confront this problem of growing weary? 
Well, that leads to the second thing. We need to understand the privilege. That can help us in this battle of not growing weary, understanding the privilege. This is not just an exhortation to persevere through life's miseries until you can just die of natural causes. That's not what Paul is encouraging here. He's calling us to endure in something specific and in something of great value. Don't grow weary in doing good. It's very specific. Don't grow weary in doing good. Now, don't miss what Paul is saying here. If you're a Christian, you've been given new spiritual life. You are no longer dead in your trans- trespasses and your sins. You're no longer totally depraved if you're a Christian, to use the language of Reformed theology. Do you know that? As a Christian, you're no longer totally depraved. You're no longer unable to do good, to use the language of Paul in Romans chapter 3. You've been given new life in the Spirit and through Christ and His Spirit dwelling in you, you have the privilege of being able to do good. You can walk in good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. Don't grow weary in exercising that kind of a privilege to do good of eternal value. But what is that? What does that doing good consist of? Well, we can gain some clues by looking at the broader context here in Paul's letter to Galatians. In verse 8, the verse right before the verse that we've read, this is what we read. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so we see this contrast here between sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit. And Paul tells us to sow to the Spirit. So sowing to the Spirit is part of what it means to do good. There's a connection between doing good and sowing to the Spirit. But what does sowing to the Spirit mean exactly? in terms of how we understand the good that is to be done. Well, note that earlier in Galatians chapter 5, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. See, same categories there. Flesh, Spirit, contrasted. Works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. So sowing to the Spirit means cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Doing good means cultivating the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. And not only is it not cultivating the works of the flesh, it's doing battle with the works of the flesh. It's putting to death the works of the flesh. It means not growing weary and persevering in the battle of the sins and idols that are in your heart and in your life. That's part of what the doing good means that Paul's talking about here. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Have you grown weary in that battle this morning? Have you grown weary in doing battle against your lust? Against your anger? Against your selfishness? Or your jealousy? Or your bitterness? Or your laziness? Have you just resigned yourself to the reality that there's just certain sins in your heart that you're never going to get rid of and you've accepted them? And are you telling yourself it's just part of who you are and you're never going to be able to change? Have you grown weary in the battle 
against the sins and idols in your heart and in your life. Remember the words of the Puritan writer John Owen who said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Don't grow weary in that fight. Keep fighting. Keep battling. Put to death the works of the flesh and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. So when that temptation to that reoccurring sin in your life strikes again with intensity, or when those old doubts creep back into your mind, when you fall into sin when you're tempted, and then you're tempted to fall into self-pity and despair and be overwhelmed with guilt, or when the stress of your circumstances threatens to overwhelm you, or when you feel like you're laboring in obscurity and no one's noticing, or when you seem like you're waiting an awful long time for God to act in response to your prayers, don't grow weary in doing good. Good example of this kind of perseverance is George Mueller. Uh, who was an English evangelist in the 1800s. And some of you may have heard this story before. In fact, I think uh, Pastor Bob may have shared this story about George Mueller. When George Mueller was a young man, uh, he committed to praying regularly for five of his unbelieving friends. Committed to praying for five of his unbelieving friends. Within the first few months of committing to praying for those friends, one of them came to faith in Jesus. It was 10 years later, after he started praying, that two of his other friends put their trust in Jesus for salvation. It took 25 years of George Mueller praying before the fourth friend was converted to faith. And George Mueller persisted and persevered and endured in prayer for 52 years for the fifth friend who he never saw come to faith before he died. But this fifth friend eventually put his trust in Jesus shortly after Mueller's funeral. Prayed for that fifth friend for 52 years. That's perseverance. That's endurance. That's not growing weary in doing good. And what Mueller's example reminds us of is that doing good is not just about our own holiness. It's not just about our own sanctification, growing in holiness and putting to death sin. It's about relationships as well. It's about the people around us. And again, we find this in the context The verse immediately following verse 9 that we read, we read about doing good to everyone as we have opportunity. It's about relationships. You know, it would be really easy for us after years of having three services to move into the new sanctuary, go down to one service, and stop and rest and try to justify our weariness. But that would be wrong. The fact that we're going to one service and it's three services means we ought to have a little bit more energy. And so let us continue to pour in to our community. Let's not grow weary in doing good in our community, reaching out to the poor, reaching out to the needy, reaching out to our schools, reaching out to our nursing homes, reaching out to the lost who need to hear the gospel of Jesus. But we're to not grow weary in doing good to everyone around us, but especially to those in the household of faith. That's what verse 10 says. Do good to everyone as you have opportunity, especially to those of the household of faith. That means don't grow weary in doing good to the person sitting next to you this morning. Don't grow weary in doing good to those here in the body of Christ at New Life. And what would that look like? Again, look at the context. Don't grow weary of confronting sin 
in the lives of those around you and calling them to accountability in their pursuit of holiness. That's what Paul talks about in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6. If one of you is caught in a sin or a trespass, let him who is spiritual do the work of restoration. Don't grow weary in that. If someone is carrying a heavy emotional or spiritual burden, don't grow weary in helping people carry them. That's what Paul says in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 6. If someone has a material need, let us not grow weary in giving. If someone is sick and suffering, let us not grow weary in caring and nursing those people in their weaknesses. Our relationships with one another in the body of Christ and at home ought to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. That's the doing good, especially to those in the household of faith. Our relationships ought to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, by love, by joy rather than complaining, by peace rather than petty conflicts, by patience rather than annoyance and irritation, by kind and gentle words rather than harsh and biting and gossiping words, characterized by humility rather than arrogance and insisting on our own way. These relationships ought to be characterized by self-control rather than damaging and manipulating emotional outbursts. That ought to characterize our lives at home. It's one thing to display the fruit of the Spirit to people that you see in the community every three months, once every six months, one time in your entire life. It's a whole other thing to show the fruit of the Spirit who are in your face and in your space all the time. And that's where it's really going to be tested. But of course, that's where it's really going to be hard, isn't it? Because then we have to deal with our own sins and we have to deal with the sins of other people. Those relationships are going to be hard. But just because it's going to be hard doesn't give us license to grow weary and give up. We need to remember Proverbs 24.10. If you faint, there's that word that's sometimes used to translate the Greek word in Ephesians 6.9. If you faint, if you grow weary in the day of adversity, in the moment where things get difficult, if you faint and give out, your strength is small. Your strength is not tested when things are easy. Anybody can make it through easy times. What about adversity? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So don't grow weary and give up loving your spouse because it got difficult. Don't grow weary and give up in maintaining sexual purity before marriage because it gets difficult. Don't give up in prayer because it takes a long time and it's difficult. Don't grow weary in sharing the gospel with your fellow people at work or those who are around you because they didn't respond the way you thought they would respond and it gets difficult. The reason you need perseverance and endurance is because of adversity. That's what calls for endurance and perseverance in the first place is difficulty and hardship. And don't begin to think that just because something is a privilege that it means it's going to be easy. We know that's not true. Think of the privilege of being a parent. Think of the privilege of doing ministry. And think of all the hardships and difficulties that are involved in those things. Don't grow weary in the privilege you have of doing good and following Jesus. But where are we going to find the strength to persevere in that? Well, that leads us to the third thing, and that is understanding the promise. 
understanding the promise. Paul is not just providing us with a well-meaning exhortation to hang in there, press on, keep at it, as if he doesn't know what else to say. He's providing us with a very clear, certain, sure promise. And that promise is, you will reap. That's what he says. That's the promise. You will reap. He's very clearly using agricultural metaphors here, right? He's talking about sowing, planting, and reaping. But that agricultural metaphor prepares us that this is all going to take some time. You don't get immediate results. A farmer doesn't go out and plant seeds go out the next day and expect to see corn and tomatoes and beans. Doesn't happen that way. And most stuff in life doesn't happen that way. I mean, you don't get to see the fruit of wise, consistent parenting often for a really long time. It takes years before you begin to see the fruit of that in the lives of your children. It takes time and effort and diligence and hard work to develop skills in sports or to get in shape or to learn how to play a musical instrument. Doesn't it sound like noise a long time before it ever starts to sound like music? But with that effort and diligence and perseverance, you begin to reap some of the fruit of that. And it's the same in our spiritual life. It takes time, but you will reap. But there are no hard and fast rules for reaping in the Christian life. No hard and fast rules, just hard ones. Right? With most other things, it takes time. But here's the promise we have in the midst of that. The harvest is coming. You will reap in time. The Greek word for time here carries with the idea of the appointed time the right time that's why the ESV translates it as in due season when the time is right but you know what that means right that means the harvest comes in God's time which may not be my time and it may not be your time we might have to wait and that's why we need endurance and that's why we need to cling to this promise in the midst of waiting so that we can have an eternal perspective that's not dependent upon what our eyes see or what, I, or what our eyes don't see any, at any given point in time. Regardless of what our eyes see or don't see, we have this promise that we will reap. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Regardless of what you see in your life right now, or regardless of what you don't see, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you have to ask yourself is, do you believe that? Do you believe that your labor, your spiritual labors done in the name of the Lord are not in vain? They're not meaningless. They're not worthless. Do you have a firm faith and a firm hope in the promise of God? Because if you do, even when the climb gets steep, you're going to endure. You're going to press on. But if you don't believe that, if you really don't believe that, you're going to give up. And you, you may hide the fact that you've given up. And you, you may still go through the motions. You may show up at church. But you're not going to do anything that requires sacrifice. You're not going to do anything difficult anymore. You're going to stop trying to put those sins to death. You're just going to be going through the motions and doing your best to fake it. Because you don't believe the promise of God. And that would be tragic. That would be tragic to give out and to give up. Because what is it that we will reap? Paul doesn't explicitly say in the verse, does he, what it is that we will reap, but he does make reference to it in verse 8. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. 
What are you going to reap in due season? You're going to reap glory. No eye has seen what God has in store for you if you persevere. It would be tragic if you gave up. Wait for it. The harvest is coming. Of course, none of this means that you have to earn glory, that you can earn eternal life by persevering in good works. But it does mean this. Entering into glory requires your perseverance and endurance. There is no entering into glory without your persevering and without your endurance. You cannot give up. That's what's clear in Scripture. You can't give up. Jesus is calling you to endurance and perseverance. Will it be difficult? Yes. Will you see immediate results from your spiritual labors? Not likely. Certainly not likely to see that. Will there be failure on your part? Yeah, probably. But confront the problem of growing weary by remembering the privilege you have as a child of God to do good of eternal value and look to the promise of God to find your endurance. During a Monday night football game several years ago, uh, the commentator observed that uh, Bears running back Walter Payton had accumulated over nine miles of career rushing yardage playing football. Rushed for nine miles accumulatively. And the other announcer made the remark that, yeah, he did that with someone knocking him down every 4.6 yards. Covered nine miles being knocked down about every 14 or 15 feet. That's perseverance. That's endurance in the face of opposition, in the face of hardship, in the face of difficulty, in the face of adversity. And for what? For a game? We have a far greater goal and a far greater glory than gaining a few yards for a first down or for a touchdown. We are striving to lay hold of eternal life. And we have a far greater example than Walter Payton. And we have a far greater assurance of our final victory in our Lord and Savior Jesus. He's our example of endurance. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 says. Let us run with endurance, with perseverance, without growing weary. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus as our example, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured, persevered to the cross, despising the shame and now exalted, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When you're tempted to ask the question, why bother? With all this weariness and difficulty and hardship, why bother? The answer is because of Jesus. We persevere because Jesus has persevered for us. And through his cross and through his resurrection, he promises us a share in his exaltation and victory in that great battle. That's the promise that Jesus holds out to us because he endured for us. Someone has said, let us remember when we are inclined to be disheartened that the private soldier, that's you, that's me, the private soldier is a poor judge of the fortunes of a great battle. That's true, isn't it? And the outcome of the greatest battle of all has already been determined through the victory of Jesus so that our strength is in the God who is strong and our hope is in the God who perseveres. So if you're weary this morning, Don't look to Walter Payton. Don't even look within yourself. 
Look to Jesus who perseveres for you for the strength to persevere. I know some of you may be growing weary of this sermon, so it's the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> not growing weary, endurance and perseverance, it may not look all that impressive when you're just putting one foot in front of the other just to keep going, keep climbing. It may not look impressive in those little moments when it's most severely tested, but there is something glorious that's going on. God is making you like himself because he's a God who doesn't faint, he doesn't grow weary, and he reveals himself as the God of endurance in Romans chapter 15. Christian writer Ed Welch insightfully says, when God encourages us to persevere, he is not stumbling for encouraging words. He's teaching us how to look like him. And in those moments, he's not only teaching us how to look like him, he's calling us to look to him. And so looking to Jesus, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this calling that you have placed upon our life to not grow weary. But we know that we're incapable of, of answering that call apart from the power of your Spirit. So we thank you not only that you've called us to this, but you've equipped us to this through your Spirit and that you've held out the promise of eternal life and eternal glory through the work and endurance and perseverance of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.